0: Hi, I'm Mark Priestley. After a life spent in the elite environment of the Formula One pit lane, learning how to win, this podcast aims to bring that elusive, high-performance culture into your daily lives. Today, we're talking about the importance of celebrating successes, something that Formula One's almost famous for with those iconic champagne moments. But whilst there's only ever one guy that can take the chequered flag and win a Grand Prix, F1's taught me over the years that there's so much more in life worth celebrating. Welcome to Pit Lane Life Lessons. Talk about how Formula One teams are so successful. Tiny things, but you only find those tiny things when you look for them. Of course, there's only one winner in every Grand Prix, so for everybody else, you haven't won, so it could be deemed that's that's a failure. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pit Lane Life Lessons. I really appreciate you joining me and returning, if indeed you're returning. If you're new around here, then welcome along. I hope you're about to enjoy the next hour or so where we talk about celebrating successes, something that's hugely important, far beyond the most obvious benefits that we might be familiar with. We'll get into that in depth in a moment. But first of all, I do want to say a big thank you to you all, and especially those people who've sent me messages over the last few weeks, messages of support, messages of love, and telling me how you're listening to the podcast, how it might have might have helped you, how you're sharing it with others because you can believe that it might help the people around you. That's exactly why I set out on this journey to do the podcast in the first place. I've spent years learning all of this stuff through immersion in this high-performance world of Formula One, and I only, only recently realised that actually it still informs what I do on a daily basis. The learnings that I've taken on board still shape today the way I live my life. They still help me to seek more and more success in everything that I do. And if I can pass just a tiny bit of that on to some of you, and if you can be a little bit more successful off the back of it, it's all worthwhile for me. So your messages mean the world and they help keep motivating me to do more and more. Now this week, I also need to say a big thank you and a welcome to a brand new partner. Uh, Somebody who's joined me and us on this journey in Pit Lane Life Lessons is Omologato Watches, a brand that honestly I couldn't think of anyone better or a better fit for the things that we're talking about on this platform. The idea of attention to detail, the idea of constantly striving to be better or to have more and more success or to push for more and more progress, both in terms of the beautiful motorsport inspired watches that they manufacture and sell, but also in terms of everything they do. Customer service, the way they deal with the people that join, as they call it, their Omologato family. So welcome to Omologato. Thank you so much. I'm really proud and honoured that you came to me and asked to be part of this. I have no idea where it's going to go, but we will be doing it together. So if you don't know Omologato Watches, go check them out, OmelogatoWatches.com. I think you'll be impressed. Let's talk then about celebrating success. As I said at the top there, Formula One has these iconic moments on every Grand Prix weekend where the winners of the Grand Prix celebrate their success in this hugely public fashion, spraying the champagne around on the podium, the guys under the podium leaping around, patting each other on the back, idolising, looking up and idolising their driver, standing on the top step, drinking champagne around the garage. I'm very fortunate to have been in those situations and I can tell you it's an amazing feeling. And celebrating those moments for the winners on that day is a hugely important thing to do. It's important because, one, it, it celebrates the achievement that you have just created between the group of people. That's important. It's also an outpouring of emotion after a really intense build-up to that moment, which happened not over—not only just over that day, but over the weekend and over the weeks and months building up to that ultimate success of winning a Grand Prix, something that's almost indescribably hard to achieve anyway. So of course we have to celebrate it when it happens. The other reason it's important to celebrate those moments is that it's some way of reaffirming the positive mindset, the winning mindset that you as an individual or your team has. It's also a really good way of showing the other people that are not even at the racetrack, the people back at the factory, how they have achieved something huge. That on this huge global stage, the world is watching your team celebrate. That's all really important. But on top of that, it's also really important to lay down a marker for your opposition, for your rivals. Whatever industry you're in, if you have success, Without being arrogant about it, it's really important to let everybody around you know that you are winners. Because whilst it's creating a winning mindset in your mind of how you want to be, it's also, even if it's just subconsciously, creating a mindset in others that you are winners too. If somebody goes into battle against somebody else who they know is a winner, then already they're at a psychological disadvantage. You are at a psychological advantage knowing that your opposition has to be wary of you because you're winners so there are some important reasons why celebrating and celebrating publicly those successes are really crucial but actually do you know there's a lot more to it than that there's a lot more behind why and how we should celebrate our successes because that positive affirmation that it gives you when you've achieved something great is also building a mindset in you that will support form the foundations for what you maybe go on to achieve beyond that and in Formula One terms that's a really important thing because winning a Grand Prix is certainly not the end that's not the point where you go well great I've done it now so we can stop it's just a stepping stone onto the next big achievement maybe the next race or going on towards the world championship that might be the ultimate goal. Constantly reaffirming in your mind and the minds of the hundreds of people working in that team that you're capable of doing it. Telling yourselves that you're good enough. Boosting positivity and motivation is a really important step to getting the best out of those people. And I can give an example of how these kind of things work from my own experience, because if I think back to 2003... At McLaren, I was working with Kimi Räikkönen. 2003, we had a, a pretty great year. You know, this was the first year where Kimi and our little crew had been together. We just formed a new crew around Kimi's car. We had formed some really strong bonds as a team. We started to produce some really good performances. We were making good decisions on the racetrack. We got our first win in 2003. An amazing celebration. We also went on throughout that season to challenge for the world title right until the final day of the year ultimately we lost out to michael schumacher that year but it was an unexpected position that we found ourselves to be in it was worthy of celebration we hadn't won but internally as our little group we celebrated it because we felt good we felt proud about just how close we had come in a year where nobody really expected us to be that far up the order the management ron dennis and the people around him Well, they weren't really celebrating because for them, well, all they were interested in was winning. We were a team of winners. We were a team that should never celebrate anything other than a victory because second place is just the first of the losers. That's a winning mindset that they had, but not one that always gets the best out of the people involved. So privately, we as a group, we celebrated hard. In fact, as our little car crew, we went away with Kimi at the end of the season, out to Kimmy's house in Finland. We had the most amazing week. We celebrated hard, as you can imagine, with Kimi back then, for a whole week. And it strengthened the bonds between us and powered us up to go again in 2004. The problem was, in 2004, we got to the first few races with a, a new car, We were the same group of people. We had, we thought, the same mindset, just coming off the back of some amazing positivity. And yet 2004 did not go well. We didn't win a race for the entire first half of the season, something we'd become very accustomed to doing. We made bad decisions. We had poor reliability. Lots of things were just going wrong. We were making mistakes. And the mood in the camp plummeted to a a low that I hadn't seen in my four years as it was at that point at the team because up until that point we'd always been striving for ultimate success we'd been there or thereabouts at the front end pole positions race wins There were amazing moments we were winners we thoroughly believed we deserved to be at the front so when you go on this long drought I mean actually in reality it was half a season but for us relatively speaking that was a long period of time without any major success without anything to celebrate. We got to the Belgian Grand Prix after introducing a new car halfway through the season that's how serious the problems were. The new car delivered some greater results and better results and at the Belgian Grand Prix from an unlikely starting position Kimi won that race. It was the most amazing feeling I've had I think I celebrated that race victory, the one single race victory we got throughout the entire season of 2004. I celebrated it harder than I think many other races that I won over the entire career. It was a really important victory and the celebration off the back of it was perhaps even more important than the victory itself. The reason for that was that we'd gone a long period of time without anything to celebrate and as a group of Competitive individuals, as a team of competitors, without something to confirm your ability, without something to confirm that you belong at the front of the Formula One grid, that you as an individual belong at the elite level that we were operating at. Without those moments, your mindset begins to change. It's nothing conscious, it's nothing that you consciously decide to do differently but subconsciously you're not getting this constant affirmation that you're good enough. And so the mood in the camp starts to drop. Morale begins to drop. There's an air of negativity over and above any positivity that might be constantly coming when you're winning or when you're celebrating. The motivation subconsciously begins to drop, maybe only by half a percent, but that can be the difference between being brilliant, being elite, Just being very good, and so when we celebrated that victory at the Belgian Grand Prix for the one time we got to do it that season, it made an enormous difference to the mood in the camp. And off the back of that, it made an enormous difference to the team's morale and the way we went about the second half of our season, and more importantly than that, how we approached the following year 2005 was actually probably one of our best seasons in terms of performances with Kimi. We won 10 races that year, and ultimately we lost out in the championship again through a number of mostly reliability problems. But as a team of people, as a group of individuals with Kimi, with us, the mechanics, the engineers, the people around that car crew, we were performing at an incredibly high level. There is no doubt in my mind that, One of the key turning points to us getting to that level was the victory at the Belgian Grand Prix the year before. That one moment we were able to celebrate. And off the back of all of that, you know, it got me thinking more and more, particularly after I left the team, when I started to study human and team psychology more, I got to learn and understand what was actually happening in those moments. What were the reasons why that race victory made a difference or that celebration of that race victory made a difference? And of course, you know, when you start to look into it, the reasons become quite clear. There are, there's this saying, particularly in sport, that people or teams need to learn how to win. I remember thinking that was a ridiculous thing to ever hear somebody say, how do you learn how to win? You know, when somebody got their first victory and people talk about it in football as well. They got their first victory, they've won a championship, they've won a a title. Well, now they know how to win so they can go and do it again. You don't learn how to win, I used to think. I mean, that's ridiculous. You put all the pieces in place. You push as hard as you can. You deliver the very best performance you can. And if you win because others are not as good as you on that day, great. You've not learned how to win. But the reality is you absolutely do. It's not about learning the process to go through. But it's a psychological change that happens when you get something to celebrate. That victory in 2004 completely switched our mindset back to one of being winners. There's a contradiction, isn't there? If you say you have to learn how to win to be able to win, well, how do you learn how to win unless you actually win? There's this vicious circle going on in the background. And what dawned on me was that we were, in some ways, quite lucky that we got that victory in 2004, because who knows what might have happened if we had never had that. In a team that was so against celebrating anything other than getting on the top step of the podium if coming second was a massive disappointment to everybody how do you ever get yourself out of that cycle and the answer to that in my mind at least was we needed to be celebrating more we needed more moments to celebrate as individuals and as teams They didn't all have to be huge champagne moments. They didn't have to be moments where we went out on the town and and got absolutely smashed for a whole night. We didn't have to throw a huge party. But we needed moments where we could take a moment to ourselves or as a group and celebrate our achievements. Celebrate the things that we did well. Now at the time when I started to talk to McLaren management about how we could do this, I'll be honest, there was a reluctance to embrace that idea. Ron Dennis and the management team took the viewpoint that celebrating what they called mediocrity devalued any success that we were really going for. The big one, the race win. We shouldn't be celebrating anything that wasn't 100% perfect. And I understood the idea. I understand the thinking behind that to keep people pushing in the right direction because only a win is good enough. That's a great mindset to have as long as you can keep people operating at the best of their ability. The truth was we couldn't do that without something to celebrate every now and again. 2004 was a great example of how our morale and off the back of that our performance had begun to plummet going for such a long period of time without anything to champion. We need things to celebrate, whether it's a a race victory, whether it's a podium, whether it's scoring a point in Formula One. Those are all big, obvious, tangible things that we can grasp onto and celebrate in, in the Formula One world. It's a very data driven, numbers driven business. Our results are very public and easily measurable. But the truth is, there's so much more, as I said, right at the top of this podcast. So much more that's worthy of celebration and those celebrations can have such a big impact all the way through everything we do whether we work for a Formula One team or not and so as time went on we began to implement a system where we called it celebrating the wins but it wasn't just about celebrating the wins on the racetrack it was about celebrating the wins that happened on a daily basis sometimes tiny wins that nobody else even knew about and this is something that we can all apply to our lives today and I do I've started this year every night before I go to bed writing down three very achievable targets I write them down in my diary and then the following day I have that book out on my desk all day long I'm looking at the three simple things that I need to achieve and I go ahead and achieve them because they're easy to do I've got my kids doing exactly the same thing now before they go to bed Every night I get them to write down three things they want to do. They might be as simple as making their bed when they get out of it. That's something that you can achieve within the first ten seconds of your day. And the feeling when you've achieved the first thing off your list within ten seconds is great. You're a third of the way to achieving your daily goal from that list. It might be something straightforward, like I might say, I need to write down I might want to call my mum today. That's probably 15 minutes out of my day. I can squeeze that in anywhere. And it's as simple as picking up the phone. It's only down to me whether or not I do it. It's not reliant on any outside factors. It's not a difficult thing to achieve. I've just got to look at the list, realise it's got to be done and then do it. And as soon as I've done it, I've probably made my mum very happy. I've had a good conversation, a good chat, a little break from work. But most importantly, I can tick it off my list. That's another thing done off my list. Every time you tick one of those boxes, we know there's a little chemical release inside your brain, a little release of dopamine that makes you feel happy. It may not be groundbreaking or earth shattering, but even a tiny amount of happiness that's built inside you helps to kick you on for the next opportunity to to achieve the next goal. I deliberately don't write down goals that are Difficult to achieve that day. I might still go on to achieve all sorts of other things, but in my list of three things, they're all relatively simple and easy things to do. Because having a list at the end of a day that's got three ticked boxes next to it is a positive feeling. It starts to increase my positivity, it starts to increase my happiness level, it motivates me, it makes me feel proud of the things that I've done that particular day. Now, those are tiny little internal celebrations. They're not something I go and shout about in the street. They're not something I'd necessarily go and post on social media or tell anyone else about. But inside, they have helped me to build a positive mindset. I start to build a mindset of somebody who achieves things. A winner. A successful person. Just on a tiny level. But if you're gradually doing that every single day, that positivity builds. That idea that you're a successful person, that you get things done, builds and builds and builds. And when the big things have to be done, when you've got a big target in your life, whether it's at work or at home or anywhere else, if you've already built a mindset that tells you you can get things done, you can achieve the stuff you set out to achieve, you are far more likely to go and achieve those major targets that you need to hit. When McLaren went through their really lean spell over recent years, this is a great example. For a huge part of that, they had nothing to celebrate. They were still in this mindset, to some extent, of not wanting to celebrate getting a point, which actually was a big achievement for them on any given day for some spells, because they tumbled from the front of the grid almost all the way to the back. When you're at the back of the grid, whether you think you deserve to be there or not, if you're at the back of the grid... Getting to a position where you can score points is an achievement. And this was the point that I really tried to push at McLaren was that we should be celebrating achievements no matter how big or small they are, because it helps to build that positive mindset, create a mindset of achievement, a positive mindset of achievement within the organisation. If as an individual you can change your mindset gradually each day by writing down like I do with a little a little list of three achievable targets, gradually that's making a tiny difference each day in my own mind. If you can change gradually the mindset of a thousand people in a Formula One team, imagine how powerful that can be over time. If every single person is just gradually by half a percent or a percentage point getting more and more motivated, more and more positive, more and more self-belief about what they can do. The power of that is enormous. And that is exactly what goes on to lead to more success. And so when Ron Dennis says things like, we don't want to celebrate mediocrity, there's no point. McLaren are not worthy. McLaren are not the sort of people that celebrate second place. I totally understand that viewpoint, but it misses the whole idea of a thousand humans, a thousand people that are all striving for success. When McLaren were down the back of the grid, the people in that team were probably working as hard, if not harder, than when the times were were good, when things were going well. I can tell you that from experience. Poor results tend to mean more work in the garage because outwardly you have to show that you're digging in you're fighting you're working really hard and yet sometimes the results still don't come a thousand people working harder than ever and yet getting nothing back in return in terms of points podiums victories but also in terms of anything to celebrate means that gradually over time their self-belief is disappearing the motivation is disappearing the morale is tumbling and if all of those things happen performance starts to tail away. People make mistakes. People are less engaged with what they're trying to achieve. So how, when that happens, could you ever possibly dream of going for the big targets? You still have to have the big targets. If you're at the back of the grid, aiming for a point to be a good result on that particular day, it doesn't take away from the fact that ultimately you really want to win. Ultimately, the ultimate goal is to get back there. But when you celebrate the moment when you scored a point or overtook a rival or even got to the end of a Grand Prix without the car breaking, if that's one of your biggest challenges, celebrating it gives you some positivity, gives you some motivation to take that next step to achieve the next big thing. And it's all building towards the ultimate dream or the ultimate goal of winning a Grand Prix. Makes a difference. We can do that in our lives at home or at work. Celebrate. Hitting a a target, a budgetary target, a new client coming in, winning some business that way. You can celebrate getting to work on time, getting your kids to school on time. You can celebrate anything you want, absolutely anything that you deem to be some kind of achievement. It doesn't even have to be something related to numbers or data or a target or results. It can be morale. It can be a team pulling together to overcome some adversity on a particular day and I've got a great example of how that worked for us because I remember a, a race when Kimi I was working with Kimi again and in free practice three on a Saturday morning Kimi had had a problem with the car and it had meant that we'd had to essentially rebuild the entire car between Saturday morning and qualifying in the afternoon where time was really limited It was one of those years where we had that time slot to go out and qualify and do a single lap on our own. So we had to exit the pit lane at that exact moment when the light went green for us. Otherwise, we'd miss our slot. In reality, there was no time to make the changes to the car that we needed to make to rebuild it in the time available. But all hands went on deck. We scrambled around. We threw the car together. There were probably only half the number of bolts put into the floor than there should have been. But we didn't have time to, to put them all in. We got to the point where we were seconds away from the pit lane closing and us missing our slot to get out on the racetrack. I got Kimmy strapped into the car while it was still up on the air. People were bolting the wheels on. The engine was fired up whilst the floor was still being bolted on. Eventually, we lowered the car down and almost like a pit stop, as the car hit the floor, the jacks came away and the car screeched out. He just made it out the pit lane in time before the light went red and we got to do our lap and Kimmy delivered. We got a great qualifying position out of it. The feeling in the garage was amazing. We high-fived each other. We leapt around hugging because we'd achieved something no one expected us to achieve in that short period of time. And of course, we kept our fingers crossed that the car was going to make it around the lap, but it did. So we celebrated that moment and it the endorphins, the dopamine that that released in each of us was such a positive feeling. It boosted us so much and reminded us why we are good at what we do. Why we deserve to be at the leading edge of this elite sport. But you know what? That celebration that we had as the car made it out past the end of the pit lane and we got to do our lap and Kimmy delivered something great. That was a great celebration. But after all of that, there was one thing that happened that we celebrated even harder. And it was nothing to do with the car. It was nothing to do with the result on the racetrack. It was Ron Dennis coming over and uttering two words to me because Ron Dennis was this character who had the ability, the power within him to shoot you down in flames, to freeze you with fear from the other side of the garage with just a piercing look of disapproval. But equally he had the power to give you so much of a boost, so much of a morale boosting positivity with just two words and that's what he did. He wandered over. He grabbed onto my shoulders and looked me in the eye and said, great work. And that's it. But he did it through gritted teeth. He clenched his fist as if to say, we did this. What a great team. He didn't say those words, but that was what he meant. Great work was all he had to say. And my boost, the boost that it gave me was bigger than anything that any result could have given me ever. I had a moment to celebrate. And I did it personally. I did it within myself. But it was a really powerful moment. I celebrated those two words from Ron harder than any racetrack given data led result or position or obvious success. Now, Ron didn't tell me to go and celebrate. As I said, it was all internal, but it made a huge, huge difference to the way that I went about the rest of the weekend and probably for much, much longer than that. And that was a big lesson to me about how we can all celebrate success in different ways. Now, I don't think for a second that Ron sought me out personally and realised that him saying that would have such a positive impact on me. It's just the way he felt in that moment. But it led me to appreciate that if we are going to celebrate successes, whether at home, whether in our families or in our offices or businesses or whatever it is, the celebration, the way we celebrate success has to be tailored towards the people that we're sharing that success with. There are different ways to celebrate. It doesn't always have to be cracking open the champagne or spending a huge amount of money on a celebration or a party. It can be a few words of appreciation. Go up to your children, tell them they've done a great job on their schoolwork that particular day. Who knows what impact that might have on them the next day when they go back to school. Chests puffed out, feeling proud of what they've achieved because somebody else has recognised that that was a little successful moment and has celebrated it with them. Just a couple of words, it's all it takes. Wandering over to somebody in the office to tell them they've they've done a good job. Wandering over to your manager to tell them that someone else near, near you in the office has done a good job. All amazingly powerful celebrations. And when I talk about celebrating in the right way... Some people respond to different types of celebration differently. Those words from Ron meant the world to me. The truth is, if Ron had just put an extra 200 quid in my pay packet at the end of that week, it would have been lovely to know that he'd recognised what we'd done. Definitely would not have had the same impact that those two words had when he came and saw me. So if you're a leader in a business or an organisation understanding what makes the individuals around your team tick and how you can tap into that by means of a celebration somehow it might be a financial incentive it might be giving them a bonus day off it might be shouting publicly around the office of what a great job they've done and yet if that person is a real introvert somebody's really shy and humble maybe the last thing they want is you shouting about what they've achieved to everybody else Maybe in that way, at that moment, that would have more of a negative impact. You know, if somebody if somebody doesn't drink, for example, cracking open a bottle of champagne is the last thing they want to do. So celebrating in the right way, making sure your celebrations have the most meaningful impact is also a really important part of, of this process. But the impact that you can have with that can be enormous. And, you know, the other thing about celebrating success that I think is 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 really important here because I was very lucky recently to spend some time uh, with Lewis Hamilton. I got to spend a whole day with him on a job that I was, I was filming something with him recently. And I was talking to him about successes and achievements and goals in life. And, you know, one of the things that he said to me, which only dawned on me really afterwards, was that his biggest goal now in Formula One... He actually said wasn't actually striving for an eighth world title. It was about leaving a legacy that meant Formula One was in a much better place. The world was in a much better place than when he first came into it. This the idea of diversity and inclusion. He's now putting a huge amount of effort into achieving that goal. He wants Formula One and the world to be a place that everybody can enjoy equally. That's a really honourable and worthy thing to strive for but it's not something that has a finite goal. Winning a world championship is something that you can achieve and when it's done, it's done. And there are problems with that. Now, it's very easy to say, well, it's easy for a guy who's got seven world titles to say, I'm no longer striving for another world title as my biggest goal in life. Of course it is. A guy who's never had a world title could justifiably say the biggest thing I want to achieve in my life is winning the world title. The problem with doing that And I think this is something that comes with time, with age, with experience. It's something that I'm only really appreciating fully now, not just because Lewis said it, but at the stage in my life that I'm at. If we set tangible goals on this huge level, on a life level, if we say growing up, and this is a problem that many kids have today, is that they see people on social media they see these world of influencers and whatever else of successful people flaunting what they have on social media if your goal in life somehow ends up being that you want a million pounds or that you want to have a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or you want to have this amazing home or you want to be a gold medalist a world title winner they're all goals that are great they're things to strive for but I don't think they're goals that actually necessarily mean they're going to make you happy because surely the ultimate goal the ultimate success in life when you get to the end of it and you look back you won't look back on your deathbed at your entire lifespan and say the biggest achievement I had was winning a world title or was buying that Ferrari because that might have happened on one particular day at some stage in your life but that's one day that's one moment Very quickly, that moment is over. All right, you'll be a world champion forever. But actually, the thing that you spent every single day up to that point striving for has been achieved. So what do you do then? Surely the more important success to be striving for is to be happy, is to enjoy the process, the journey of getting there, is to be the best version of yourself that you can be. And that is where this idea of self-celebration can really come into its own. If you set out every day to be a little bit better than you were yesterday and if you can manage to tick a few boxes to that end, improve on something that you were okay at yesterday, today you want to be good at, tomorrow you want to be very good at it, sometimes just improving it by a tiny amount. But if you can tick that box at the end of every day, you get that feeling, you get that boost, you get that warmth, that sense of achievement every single day, every single week. Look back at the end of a week and think, what have I achieved this week? Well, just look at your little list. You've got loads of ticks. You've achieved a huge amount. Celebrate it. Make yourself feel good about it. Confirm to yourself that you are a winner. If you do that every day, every week, every month, every year, the big goals will look after themselves. If you leave no stone unturned in becoming the best at whatever it is you want to do, the best you can be, that's the only part of things that are in your control. You focus on what you can do better than anybody else and keep striving for that, enjoy the journey. If you're celebrating along the way, you will enjoy that journey. If you've got an unachievable goal or a a seemingly unattainable goal that's so far in the distance, a life goal of winning a world title or buying a Ferrari, That might seem so far away that if that's the one thing you're pinning your hopes on in life, then for the vast majority of your life, even if one day you achieve it, for the vast majority of your life, you're not achieving that every day. You're getting to the end of a day having not achieved the goal that you're pinning everything to. That can be depressing over time. That can start to have those effects that I talked about earlier on where morale starts to tail away. You have to have things to celebrate on a regular basis and improving yourself or achieving much smaller targets can be a really tangible way of doing that. And you can also share those moments, those successes with the people around you. If you're part of a team, sharing in success is a very important way of bringing everybody along on that successful journey with you, boosting morale within the people around you. When a Formula One team scores a victory, the driver's on the podium. He's the guy that everyone's focused on. The cameras are trained on. He's spraying the champagne. And that filters down to the people that are under the podium and they're celebrating as well. The camera's maybe not on them as much, but they're still there celebrating. They're enjoying the moment. Maybe back in the garage, there are some other people who less animated, but they're still happy. They're pleased. They've maybe got their victory shirts on and perhaps a glass of champagne. Beyond that, what is a... What are the thousands or hundreds of other people doing when that tiny part of their team is celebrating? Are they all celebrating as well? Are they jumping around in the factory? The truth is, they're definitely not on the most part. And at my team at McLaren, that was something that we were terrible at in the early days. Most people in our factory had a slight animosity towards the race team because they watched them on television, leaping around, celebrating, spraying champagne, Talk, hearing of us going off to post race parties to celebrate even further, and yet for them, there wasn't even a mention of it. They'd come back into work on a Monday and just get on with their job without it even being recognised. I'm pleased to say that no longer is the case. We changed that over time because without those people having something to celebrate, it can almost have a negative impact. If they don't feel part of the success, they were absolutely part of it, but if they don't feel part of it, the knock on effect of that is that they become demotivated, disengaged to the end result. Celebrating successes, no matter how big or small or, or whatever those successes look like for you, celebrating is a hugely important part of the process. Whether it's a tiny, muted celebration, whether it's a personal one-on-one or a couple of words, or whether it's going big and shouting to the world about what you have achieved, whatever works for you or your team, it's important to do it. If you want to be more successful, if you want to achieve more, if you want to get to the next stage to be able to use that stepping stone to go on to achieve the big ultimate goal that may be somewhere in the distance, celebrate at every stage along the way. Now, there will be another episode of this podcast talking about failure coming up because I'm sure lots of you are thinking well yes great celebrating success is one thing but if you celebrate for too long you take your eye off the ball and others are still working hard to try and improve themselves absolutely of course you don't let it distract from the, the work that has to go into constantly improving and being better but taking a moment to celebrate can have such a big impact on the mindset of people to create winners in the organization and if you want to be better and go to the next step, of course you've got to knuckle down and keep going. Nothing stops when you win. And in fact, if you stop when you win, you will very quickly get left behind. As humans, we celebrate things in our lives on a regular basis. We celebrate birthdays and anniversaries. And part of the reason we celebrate things like that so regularly is to help us to remember. And the same reasons apply to celebrating anything, celebrating successes. If we celebrate those successes, we began to recognise the achievements and the hard work and the effort that's gone into them. We remember the reasons why we decided to put in that hard work. It gives us a reason to continue to put in that hard work, aiming for the next potential achievement or goal. And conversely, if we don't make those celebrations, if we don't take a moment to appreciate what we've done and celebrate those successes our brains will subconsciously begin to delete the reasons why we've gone to those lengths in the first place if we go for a long period of time like we did back in 2004 relatively speaking half a season without anything to celebrate we began to question why on earth are we working so hard sacrificing so much for seemingly nothing we're not winning anything We've got nothing to celebrate and yet we're working harder than uh, than ever. Same process when McLaren went through their really lean spell. They had nothing to celebrate. There are people in that organisation that have never tasted success. Until very recently, they've just never even got anything other than a podium. For some people, they'd never experienced a race win. A moment that I was very lucky to appreciate and experience on a number of occasions. But without that, without those celebrations, how do they know if they're doing a good job? Because actually, if you're not celebrating anything, those people actually think they're doing a terrible job. If we can't win at a team that's used to winning for so long, we must be pretty bad, right? We must be pretty bad at our jobs. Maybe we're not good enough. Maybe we're not worthy of the mighty McLaren name. Those are the kinds of thoughts that start to creep in when you go for a long period of time without anybody recognizing what you're doing or celebrating the achievements even if they may not be the kind of achievements that on another day would have been deemed successful there's always something we all achieve stuff in this period of time at the moment when the world is faced with so much adversity just getting through days can be enough to celebrate just getting through the last year that the world has faced in so many difficult scenarios, we're getting through that. Celebrate it. Maybe you've adapted your business or your company to deal with the changing times. Celebrate it. Maybe the people in your organisation have worked extra hard, have dug in and fought together as a team to overcome the challenges that the previous year and previous period of time has put them under. Celebrate. Maybe your children have been forced to work, do homeschooling. That's a challenge for you. Celebrate the fact that you may have got through that, but celebrate them too. They've had to adapt. They've had to overcome the fact they're not seeing their friends every day. Tell them that they're doing a great job. These moments that take a split second have an enormous impact on the psychology of the people that receive those celebrations. And if, as a human race, we want to strive for more and more success. If we want to strive for some kind of ultimate goal, and it may be getting the Ferrari or achieving your first million. It may be getting to the top of a, a, a metric that your industry measures company success by. It may be becoming a world champion. There's nothing wrong with having those long, distant goals. But all the way towards them, we need to celebrate every single milestone that we get to. Every piece of hard work, every piece of teamwork, Everything that somebody achieves, celebrate it. Recognise the hard work. Build the mindset of positivity. Build a winning mindset by telling people that they're winners all the time. That they're achieving things. And it gradually increases and increases. Until the point is where they believe 100% those people are successful. Until you believe you are successful. When you believe you're successful... The sky is the limit as to what you can actually go and achieve. Because achieving success in whatever field you want to achieve, whether it's Formula One or anything, one of the keys to success in life in general is believing that you can do it. If nobody's told you you're doing a good job, if you have no evidence to prove that you're doing a good job, how on earth are you going to believe that? celebrating successes along the way, begin to build that self-belief, begin to give you self-confidence that you can go on to achieve whatever you set your mind to. It's a massively important factor and you cannot understate the importance of it. I have seen it work. I have seen it work adversely. And believe me, when you're at an elite level when you're looking to be the best in anything the only way you're the best is when every single element comes together and starts to work well and mindset plays an enormous role in that you want to achieve more you want to be more successful it's not just waiting until you get that ultimate goal that ultimate tick box to be able to celebrate it celebrate the steps that you take to get there and celebrate the people that take those successful steps Now, at this point in every episode, I like to come back sometime after recording it and reflect on what I've just said in the episode that we've listened to today on celebrating success. And on this one, there was one particular anecdote that I felt should go into this story somewhere. I couldn't really find an obvious place for it in the bulk of the episode that you just heard, but I feel like I want to say it now. And it centres around that season 2005 that I talked about where we had an amazingly successful season on so many levels off the back of a disappointing 2004. And yet we still didn't win the title. We won 10 races as a team and still didn't win either title. Should have been on so many levels hugely disappointing. But the truth was we had more to celebrate that year than we had had for any other year as far back as my career at the team had gone. 10 races is 10 massive celebrations. We had a whole whole host of pole positions, fastest laps, amazing performances in the pit stops. There were celebrations happening all over the place, which created this winning mindset, which enabled us to go on and continue winning. One of my biggest ever celebrations in my history of, of Formula One came in 2005 you may well recall the japanese grand prix was a particularly special race for us working with Kimi that year because after a really disappointing qualifying starting way back i think in 17th position if i remember rightly way down the back of the grid we ended up winning that grand prix we took the winning position we took first place on the final lap of that grand prix it was the most amazing moment the celebrations that erupted from that moment were mind-blowing we were going crazy we were leaping around the garage chairs going everywhere it was an incredible moment for us as a team and we celebrated hard and when I want to say we celebrated hard I mean we celebrated hard that celebration went on for three days and traveled across two separate countries <laughs> it was big it was a celebration in true Formula One style of that era Not the kind of celebration that could even happen today (laughs) for so many reasons. If you want to know more, you can go and read all about it in my book. But that was a big, big celebration. But of course, as with everything else I've talked about in this episode of the podcast, that celebration, apart from giving us an enormous hangover, did give us a huge boost in morale and continued the push for the last part of that season. But when we got to the final day, and it was the Chinese Grand Prix that year, it was Renault that finally took the Constructors' Championship, something that I craved. I really wanted that title as well as the Drivers' Championship with Kimi, and we lost out on both. And Renault were a team that were right next door to us in the pit lane. They were just the other side of a sort of thin partition wall. We heard their celebrations when the checkered flag came out and they were confirmed as champions. We could see them, they burst out into the pit lane, they were leaping around everywhere. And in 2005, between those two teams, certainly at ground floor level, at garage level, we built an amazing relationship between our mechanics and our engineers and the same on their side with our counterparts. We celebrated with them, we congratulated them when they won. They came next door to congratulate us on the days that we won. There was a really strong bond and relationship between us two. There was a mutual respect between the two teams and so whilst we were devastated to not take what is the holy grail of Formula One terms a world title whilst that was heartbreaking and should have been a moment where really the last thing we were thinking about was celebrating Ron Dennis surprisingly turned to us in our garage in that moment of doom and gloom in that moment of catastrophic disappointment for us and he said right boys i want you to get over to our motorhome i want you to grab every single bottle of champagne that you can find they're all on ice they'd all been put there just in case we had one crates and crates and crates of the stuff he said i want you to bring it all over here take it next door into the renault garage we're going to run in together and unload the lot (laughs) and that's exactly what we did Amazingly surprised that that's what Ron told us to do, but we burst in there, we joined in with their celebrations, we unloaded champagne right around their garage and they loved it. And to be honest, we loved it as well. On one hand, I thought at the time, I've thought ever since that that was just a really nice thing that Ron was trying to do, trying to help us celebrate with them, to congratulate them after a really close, tight fought battle well-mannered battle over the course of the season and I'm sure there was a part of that in there but I now think having looked into this further having studied this further having learnt a little bit more about Ron and his mentality around winning mindsets I think there was a little bit of Ron on that day that was telling us to get in there to take a dominant stance to spray champagne around their garage just to let them know that they hadn't broken us that yes, it had been a great battle, and yes, today they had won this battle, but they had not won the war, and we would be back stronger next year. I honestly believe there was a little bit of that in there. There was a little bit of an edge to what he got us to do. It was letting them know that we were not down and out. We may have been down, but we certainly weren't out. And I thought that was a really interesting twist from Ron, but shows... Another side to Ron's constantly striving for perfection mindset, constantly looking for every edge that he can find to get one over on his rivals, to be the best team that we could be. Even in that moment of defeat, he was looking for ways, I believe, to get one over the team next door, the team that had just beaten us. We weren't going to be seen to be wallowing around in self-pity and misery. We were going to take control of the situation, and that's what we did and I thought it was just an interesting celebration that perhaps was unlikely in the on the moment in the day, but I thought it was interesting to slot into this podcast somewhere so those are my takes on celebrating successes, something that I am very passionate about, not just in Formula One but across the board in life and in business and and everywhere. I think it's a worthy thing, a worthwhile thing, and a really powerful thing to be able to train yourself to do. I would absolutely encourage you all to just give that little thing that I talked about earlier, writing three easily achievable goals down. Give it a try. Just see what happens. See if it has an impact on you. I'd love to know. I'd love to hear what you think if you do give it a go. A couple of weeks in, I was really noticing a difference. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I also just wanted to touch on the fact that I talked about The idea of people having a single, long-term, seemingly unattainable goal. Something big, something huge, as the thing they were pinning all hopes on. The point that I want to just clarify that I was trying to make around that story was that those goals are absolutely fine. But the point that we should all be striving for, the ultimate success for us all, is to find a place where we can actually be enjoying whatever the process is to get there. Because then, when we do tick the big box, we finally achieve that big dream goal. It's not over. Our life suddenly doesn't have any meaning anymore. Because that's a very real danger for the people that are constantly striving for the one big, very long distance goal. If you put everything on that, one day, if you're lucky enough and you've worked hard enough, you'll achieve that goal. But then what? It's the very reason that so many... Elite sportsmen and athletes. They call it gold medal syndrome. They spend their life building up towards that one moment, and when they've done it, what next? Because their life was full of little else other than striving to attain that goal. So, my message here is that whilst we celebrate successes along the way, what that's doing, or what that's hopefully doing, is building an enjoyment in life, building. A process that we can enjoy, not just an end goal that we think we'll enjoy when we get there. Because if it's all about that one big celebration that you think you're going to get when you finally achieve the goal, that celebration is going to come to an end very quickly. Whereas if we can build a life where we're constantly celebrating things all the time, constantly recognising that we're doing great work. That we're getting better, that we're improving, we're striving for constant, incremental, sometimes, improvement along the way. That's boosting positivity and ultimately making us happy. If we can achieve that, we can be happy every day. Not just on that very final day when we finally tick the box. So that's it. That's what I want to say about celebrating success. And just before I go... I want to read some of your messages from last week's episode around attention to detail. Some amazing ones. I really am so appreciative of those people that have taken the time to leave a review in the podcast store. Uh, A couple that I picked out. um, We got Mark 365 says, this is the perfect podcast for your daily walk. Fantastic advice, which will steer you onto a positive mindset. Great show. Thank you so much, Mark. Things like that make such a difference to me. Spy Like Us sends a great one. Ashley Bruce Music as well. And this one I just want to read out coming from somebody who's a former colleague of mine at McLaren, somebody I have the most immense respect for, Jerry Convey. He's now a mindset and performance coach, and he was very kind to leave this review on the Apple podcast store for me. He says... Mark was my teammate at McLaren Mercedes F1, so he has the validation of actually living and working in the highest level of motorsport. This is an excellent representation of what it takes to operate optimally in a high performance culture. The lessons in this podcast are transferable to all areas of life, business and sport. I highly recommend this. Jerry, thank you so much for that review, I really appreciate that, and I hope that many of you that haven't yet written a review or rated this podcast will find a moment at some stage to go and do it because not only does it make a big difference to me but it makes a big difference to the way the podcast is received how far it's pushed up the order in the podcast store and how many people therefore are able to find it so thank you thank you jerry thank you to everybody who left a review last week it sounds like you enjoyed that episode around attention to detail lots of you asking if we can get ron dennis on the show Believe me, I would love that. I am actually working on it, trying my work, my hardest behind the scenes to get Ron to come and be part of this because that would be a dream. He, for me, is the ultimate, the epitome of attention to detail. He's the ultimate example, the ultimate teacher that I was fortunate enough to learn from. Um, so if I can find any possible way to get Ron to be part of the Pit Lane's Life Lessons podcast, I promise you I will make it happen. Okay, there it is, another week done. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. I really appreciate you keep coming back. Continue with the messages. Continue sending me messages to let me know how you're listening, where you're listening, who you've shared it with and what you may have taken from various episodes. It really does light up my day and I read and respond to every single one, believe me. And also finally, a big thank you to our new partner, Omologato Watches. Here for this episode and future episodes on this journey, wherever the Pit Lane Life podcast, Pit Lane Life Lessons podcast ends up going. So thank you to Omelagato Watches and please do take a moment, go and check them out, omelagatowatches.com. I think you'll like what you see. Have a great week, folks. I'll see you next Wednesday for another one.